hour two of the game, the game after work. Welcome back, Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. We haven't heard from Travion yet. Travion, who's your favorite president? I don't know. Obama. I was like, I don't know. I was like, oh boy, where are we going? I didn't know we'd get an answer. I'm bad at this today. You, you have to remember that he doesn't have many of them in mind, given that he's still a young pup. I was seeing how much of a historian he is. I, I get you. I hear you. Lincoln was cool. I'm 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 thinking, though, that I may sneak over to the uh, Eisenhower Library and, and do some looking for classified information. Gosh, I haven't been there since fourth grade. <laughs> Wife has never been there. Monica's never gone. I barely remember so it. So we, we're going to go over at some point. Honestly, what I remember from that, I remember, I think it was fourth grade, we took a field trip to Abilene to go to the Eisenhower Museum. Mm-hmm. But I remember a train. Like, I think we like took yes. a train ride. Yes, Right there at the nearby, yeah. Okay. There used to be a train right there. Mm-hmm. I've also never been to that restaurant. Oh, you've never been to the Brookville? Yeah. I've never been there. Oh, been Dave, there. Lu- Dave Lewis was always like, oh, you got to go. Oh. He's like, he's the one that was always advocating for it, and I, was, I just haven't made it. I, I went to the original three times, so before they ever moved to Abilene and have been to the one in Abilene. In fact, um, you know, the last time I was there, uh, we had Grandma and Grandpa Hake with us, and so, yeah, yeah. Uh, had a good family meal there. But that's been... Where was the original? Brookville. Kansas? Uh-huh. I don't know where that's at. Uh, B. L. Saline School District. Hmm. So... Well, I'm sorry if that question made me sound like an idiot. I... Hmm, okay. I didn't know that. Spot on the map. Yeah, it looks like a really small town. Yeah. Huh, how about that? Oh, it's like way west of Salina. Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to El Celine. <laughs> Every pro wrestler thinks that's how you pronounce Salina because they used to run through Salina. Right. Selena. Selena. I blame it on Brent Musburger. Once we saw this uh, Beatles tribute band called Rain, they were pretty popular. But anyways, they came to Salina and we went to see them and they kept calling it Selena. I didn't know if it was because they were trying to do the Beatles shtick because they're like, oh, Selena. But it just was weird. It's the California thing. Everybody thinks it's Selena's. That that's that they think it's Salinas just without the S. Anything the for Salinas. Anybody get the reference? Anybody? <laughs> no. no? That that land flat, the Selena movie with J Lo. Yeah, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Anything for Salinas. Hanging out with, with Chris Jericho one night because you know we're boys. Holy mackerel! Uh, and that's a name drop. Well, so we're out. You know, we're having you know good night out in the town in New York City. And uh, this just gets deeper, doesn't it? Guy from the uh, Stern Show, Richard Christie, brings up that I'm from uh, Kansas. And Chris Jericho is like, oh, yeah, in WCW, we always used to run through Selena. (laughs) I didn't have the courage to uh, correct him. (laughs) But I also thought, you know, Uh is there really any good reason to correct him? Just let it stand. Mm -hmm. Just let it be. It's just going to make me kind of actually look like a jerk than anything or a snob. Like, I honestly really care that much. (laughs) All right, let's get to it. Is he ready to go? Is he standing by? Is he home? Did he get, did he make it home? All right. All right. Because uh, coming back from Ames, Iowa today, the nice five-hour drive back here to Manhattan, Kansas. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight, 7 o'clock sharp on TBS. Just so happens comes from the, the house that for seemed like there for a while. John Calipari was 
dumping the gasoline on Rupp Arena tonight. But also that also means that uh, Derek Young from KC Online joins us via the Zoom. D.Y., how do you like your chicken cooked? Uh, that's not the question I was anticipating to leave out the show. Uh, caught me off guard. I, you know, I really like wings. So, but grilled is probably preferred. Grilled, yeah. You know, barbecue chicken, like you know, on the grill or whatever. But it's like got a bunch of barbecue sauce on it. Or if you're like talking about just like a chicken breast, like get a grilled chicken sandwich or something. Yeah, absolutely. I like chicken in many ways. Fried, of course. Um, all right. What was, what do you, what did you think the first question was going to be? Uh, well, I thought you were going to ask me who my favorite president was just because of the prior conversation. <laughs> so that's what I was kind of like brainstorming in my head. And then you, you threw a curveball. Okay. Well, Lincoln's mine. Who is yours? Like I, I was thinking about pandering and doing the <laughs> Eisenhower thing. Cause that makes sense. Him being from the state of Kansas and I, I was just because of historical stuff. And I kind of, kind of get into all that. It's one of my, uh, I guess, passing interests. So I'm kind of a like a Ronald Reagan guy. Mm-hmm. I like presidents that kind of did something in a past life, right? That weren't just all politics all the time. Gerald Ford played football, of mm. course, although it was at Michigan. So I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that. Uh, William Henry Harrison, I know this oh. is an obscure one, comes to mind. He is the ninth president. He's from Ohio, just Ding. like me, and was the first one to die in office. Well, yeah, because wasn't he the one that was he the one that died because he was out in the rain giving his inaugural speech and he didn't wear a coat? Probably. I think that might have been it because he did die of pneumonia. Yes. Yes. That that yep. that had to be him. Yeah, he served for like a month and then and then he died. Yeah, because he didn't wear a coat. And it was freezing rain. Yep. So it's him. And, and then I also Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, he's from a, a place in Ohio that's very not very far from where I grew up. So that's another one that came to mind. I had a feeling that we'd get Ohio references to that one. Look at the brain on Derek. Uh-huh. All right. All right. I suppose we'll jump over to the game that took place. You were there last night at uh, Hilton Coliseum. Honestly, the first question I had in my head about this game is I got to know about the atmosphere. I've never been to Hilton. I've been by it. Never been inside for a game. But I I think I saw on TV they had the press down towards the court. So did you get a good idea how loud it was? Oh, yeah, I certainly did. I mean, I think the best I can – I would put Hilton Coliseum in Tier 1. I mean, especially that environment last night, which is probably the best one that I've seen personally in Hilton Coliseum, which is saying something because I think it has a – pretty strong reputation in terms of atmospheres to begin with, but that was an A1, um, you know, presentation from their fans. Uh, and I mean, they wrapped around, they, they were lined up like, you know, like teens usually line up for Kansas, especially Kansas state does Iowa state students. They were lined up for this one. They were rowdy. Um, it was on the same level as what you see when, it's really spiked up, right, in Lawrence or, or in Manhattan, or most notably recently, the one that's kind of received the highest reputation has been Texas Tech and Lubbock. So those four, I think, would be where I would stick my claim. I think they're all four per, at the top right now, Kansas State, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. Now, I don't know if Texas Tech is still – you know, creating that type of atmosphere this year without winning a Big 12 game, I, I'm sure it's still pretty solid. 
But those are the four that come to mind for me in the Big 12 that are the best. Well, the Cats down 10 in the second half, and they try to claw their way back, got within a couple of points, but just couldn't completely close the gap. And they end up losing by four despite you know quite a few things not going K-State's way. And earlier in the show, I was listening off you know, a lot of the reasons why K-State didn't play well. You know, Keontae Johnson had a really slow night, just couldn't really ever get going. And, uh, you know, the defensive end not rebounding. And there, there were a number of things. If you were to narrow it down to, like, the top thing that was the biggest key to the loss, what would you say it was? Yeah, I think offensively they had their – they sputtered at times, right, and they had some things not go their way. But at the end of the day – you score 76 points on Iowa State, which is probably one of the best defenses in the country. I think you feel pretty good about yourself. Um, if you had asked me or, or even probably if you had asked Jerome Dang before the game, you score 76 points, do you think you're going to win? I think both of us probably would have said yes. Um, that's a lot on Iowa State. That was one of their – and this is not necessarily because they played bad. I think they played pretty well. I think Kansas State's offense you know, finally found something. Marquise Noel really got going. And they really hit the, their shots outside of the the free throw line where they, they sputtered a little bit. So the offense did enough. So I think if you were really just going to kind of, you know, be upset about a, a singular department, I, I tend to want to go to that rebounding. But, you know, just defense in general, uh, I would I would put up there because it just hasn't looked right. Iowa State's not a super high-powered offense, and they got 80 points. Now a lot of those came off turnovers and second-chance points, where I think they defeated Kansas State by a combined 20 points in those two categories. So I, I would I would probably lump those two things in together. And like Jerome Tang said, first-shot defense is not necessarily an issue, especially when not in transition, right, when they're not turning turnovers into points. I mean, they're, they're getting enough stops at certain times, but when you allow teams to take shot after shot after shot and take a lot more attempts than you, you're giving them new and new and new life. And they, they did that against Texas Tech, too. Let's let's not forget that. I mean, this has kind of been a trend that hasn't gone Kansas State's way lately. There's a reason why Texas Tech shot 24 more times than Kansas State as well in the, in the contest prior to the one in Ames. So, um because it's becoming a trend, because I really thought they did enough on offense, I would point to the rebounding. But, you know, if it, since it's defensive rebounding, you can lump it all in together. Yeah, Iowa State shot 62.5% in the second half. They shot 66.6%, making two of their three attempts from two-point range. And that is certainly an area, of course, where K-State has struggled, especially lately, last few games, from stopping teams from scoring in the paint. Um you know, Ish Masu, I felt like is somebody that didn't get enough praise for what he did last night because of the struggles defensively. Offensively, he's just as hot as ever. He's been really hot the last six games, making 15 of 26 threes. And last night he was four of five. But last night, struggling on defense to stop Oshuna Shuni E, but also having to play the five where he's not comfortable. Yeah. Well, playing the five is probably also allowing him to get some of those open looks from distance as well. So. Um, maybe not comfortable defensively, but offensively sure is right now. And and you shoot that well, you can't be taken off the floor. And that's why he's getting more and more minutes. It helps when some of the guys are in foul trouble, of course. He's going to have to play a little bit tougher on the defensive side of the ball. I know you mentioned that, but 
He's one of the culprits. And look, a lot of points in the paint, and they're getting they're getting scorched in the paint, quite frankly, in the last two or three weeks. And I don't know that that can really be debated. But some of that is the defensive rebound. It will come right back to it, right? You give up that many offensive rebounds, of course they're going to score in the paint. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, we'll take a break. And when we come back, as we continue this conversation with Derek Young, of course, next four games are very crucial. But, you know, how many losses can a Big 12 champion afford this season? We'll talk about with Derek Young when we come back on the game. It's the game on K-Man. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland with the three in studio joining us via Zoom. As he does every Wednesday is Derek Young from K-State Online as we talk K-State hoops. All right, so Iowa State in the rearview mirror. Cats are you know, still tied for first place now with Iowa State in Texas with a 6-2 and conference record, 17-3 and overall. I've now seen, this was uh, as of a couple of hours ago, the latest bracketology from Fox College Hoops does have K-State as a one seed right now in the NCAA tournament along with Purdue, Alabama, and Houston. And, and D.Y., I think I'd read in one of your articles, and it was going with what I was saying earlier this week and even last week, that K-State right now with last night's game started a five-game stretch. That's probably their toughest stretch of the season. So with the four games left, Three of them at home. You have Florida, at KU, TCU, and Texas. Where does K-State have to at least finish with those four games, do you think? With what in mind? Like, what would uh, – because they could lose all of them and still be a tournament team. Well, (laughs) right. I'm talking about – yeah, I'm just talking about – other than resume, because, I mean, there's no doubt about it, this K-State team is going to the NCAA tournament. That's definitely not in question. But, like, everything else in mind, of course, the race in the Big 12 – momentum, you know, keeping spirits high, winning winning those home games, kind of everything else involved. Like, where do you think K-State needs to finish just to keep their heads above water when it comes to the lead in the Big 12? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, right now they're tied at the top with – is it a three-way, three-way tie yes. with Iowa State and Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right at their, on their heels, I believe, is Kansas, Baylor, and TCU, all three of them. Uh, for a three-way tie in second, I believe at five and three, I want to say. So yet you, you have six teams at six and two or five and three in the league, which is uh, really starting to separate tiers there, aren't we? Um, there's there's those six, then maybe another two, and then a one, then a one, because I think Texas Tech's probably in a category by themselves um, since they've yet to win a Big Twelve game. Uh, although I think they might tonight. By the way, uh, they play West Virginia. At home, but for Kansas State in those four games, I think you got to hold serve at home. If uh, to be honest, the the Florida game is probably irrelevant and not necessarily significant to anything that they need to accomplish. I think they're going to win anyways. I think they might win pretty big. It might be one of their first kind of blowout victories over a team that's kind of above water. I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday. That's a bold prediction on my part. But in terms of the Big 12 games, which I think have more focus, more emphasis, and more importance, I think you got to win the home games because I know you kind of hinted at it. What's it going to take to win the Big 12? Is it 13 and 5 or 14 and 4? 
like it has every year. I think the worst is like 13 and 5 that's won the Big 12 since they went to an 18 game schedule. I think this year has a chance to dip below that just because of the parity at the top that I just alluded to. So 12 and 6. I I don't think it's going to be 11 and 7, which is what I've seen somewhere else. So I think it's going to be 12 and 6. And guess what? Kansas State can get there, I believe just by winning out at home and winning one more road game, I want to say, because they already got their two road wins against Texas and against Baylor. So I say you got to at least take care of business at home against those Big 12 opponents. Yeah, I guess the question would have been better just to ask, can K-State afford in the three conference games to go one and two? Considering one game is in Allen Fieldhouse and the Cats haven't won there in 2006, you know, a rematch against TCU is a bit scary because of how – the Horned Frogs were able to just get out and run and just kill the Cats with points in transition. Plus, the Texas game was NBA score. Who knows how that game is going to be played out when they return to Manhattan? I mean, those are good questions, good observations, and good notes. Um, going one and two puts you at seven and four, though. And like I said, you're seven and four. It's going to depend on what those other teams do. Also, right? They're going to lose. Uh, they're going to lose again as well. But you go seven and four, like I said, I think the worst record to win the Big 12 or at least tie for a share of the Big 12 championship at the end of the season since they've gone to that 18 game round robin um, slate, I think it's 13 and five. I don't think a 12 and six team has won the league. So if you're seven and four, if that holds true, then you got to go five and one. I mean, you're really, you're really thinning your margin, right? You're really thinning your margin. And I think you you maintain a conceivable path if you win every home game. I'm not saying that's realistic. I'm not saying that's easy. That's complicated. But Kansas State's going to sell out every home game. They're going to have one of the best home court advantages that there is in the not just the Big 12 but the country. So I really do think they have to win the home games. Yeah, you're right, D.Y. So 12-5 and five is the worst record a conference champion has had in the Big 12 since the round robin. It's happened twice. But also that's – Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. 13 and five. The five losses, though, are the, uh, is the key number there, obviously. Yep. But also looking at the history of the conference since it started in 96, that is also the most losses a conference champion has ever had with the five losses. And then this happened uh, twice. Um, so you mentioned you, you think the Cats going to be Florida. Um, Keontae Johnson, that'll obviously be a very emotional game. I was a little surprised to hear that he, you know, he's, he hasn't really thought about the emotion. He's, he's not expecting to be very emotional. I don't know about you, D.Y., but if I, if I was in his shoes and seen that former jersey in front of me, and the last time I wore that jersey, it was because, uh, you know, it happened because I collapsed on the floor and hadn't played basketball since. I'd be a little bit emotional about that. Yeah, and I'm sure he will be, but I think he's probably maintaining the appropriate approach because – while that stuff is sentimental and is truly significant because of what it meant to his life, um, he's focused on winning a championship right now, right? Yes, so he is. You you kind of let those emotions seep in right now, then and then maybe it affects your preparation. I don't think there's any way of preventing it from affecting his emotions on game day. Those are going to happen, but uh, I'd like that he's at least trying to remove it from the front of his face, in, at least in the preparation for the contest. I think it'll be emotional in a good way. I think Keese goes off on Saturday. Uh, all right, D.Y., so to wrap up here, uh, we need to squeeze in the latest recruiting visit 
for the Cats because it happened for the Texas Tech game. Saw him out there in pregame during warmups, and that's David Castillo is a four-star point guard. I actually think even somewhere I saw him as a five-star. But uh, visited Manhattan last Saturday. The students started chanting his name. That was awesome. But I guess from your perspective as somebody who you know, follows this very closely, I guess what should we know about that visit and just about David Castillo in general? Yeah, he's one of the best players in the country. Um, 2024 class, they've already pivoted and kind of moved forward. They signed the three studs from the 2023 high school class already. They're probably not going to attack on another at any point, I wouldn't think. They'll probably go to transfer portal or maybe Juca the rest of the way in that department, um, depending on what is available to them. Um, but 2020, but high school-wise, they're already on 2024, and he's certainly near or at the top of the board. And he visited for a football game. Now he's visited for a basketball game. So you like the way it's trending. He is doing that, though, with other programs. So this is an even-keeled battle. I wouldn't say Kansas State's out front. I'm not sure that there's a leader in the clubhouse at the moment kind of gauging the temperature in the room of his recruitment and talking to sources with knowledge about it. I just don't think there is a front runner at this point. But I do think there's four schools that have put their best foot forward and are in the discussion along with Kansas State, that is Oklahoma State, that is Kansas, and that is Florida. Before I let you go, do you have a favorite war? <laughs> a favorite what? War. W-A-R. War. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what? The one that's always grabbed my attention more, and I've always wanted to learn more and more about it just because of, there's so many more wrinkles to it. I think than anything else, and it's it has some of the big biggest events in world history. I think it's World War II mm-hmm. because you could you could tackle and teach World War II in about forty five different ways. There are so so many layers to that onion. I don't know the Civil War. What wasn't it? Troy like the South? They like they had a big advantage and it looked like they might win. And then here comes the North. Mm-hmm. They storm back. Don't call it a comeback. And they take That's the yours? crown. That's yours. That might be mine. Yeah. I'm going to go revolutionary. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you're a sap. You know? <laughs> our, our first win, you know, our first win becoming our independence. Yeah, that's mean. Yeah. I, I guess symbolically that one has the most meaning. And it gave us a national anthem based on a British drinking song. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the drinking song history of that. Yeah. All right, D.Y., we'll let you go. That's all I got for you. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Derek Young, Case in Online. Follow him on Twitter. I mean, he already has like a you know 20,000 or something like that. I don't know. He's, he's knocking on the door. But at Derek Young, KSO, is where you get the latest news on what's going on with the Cats. All right. Here we go. Coming up next, number one song of the day after these words.
From 1986, that's what Friends Are For by Dion and Friends. Four you, weeks at number one. You really had to scrape to come up with an Elton John song, huh? Well, you're giving away the spoiler alert, <laughs> or the, uh, uh, yeah. You, you spoiled, because I was going to let the second verse kick in. I was going to have everybody guess who all the voices are. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's the most uh, understated yeah in a song I've ever heard. <laughs> Sorry. Travion just drowned him out. It's voice number two. Number three, everybody knows this. Alright, so here's the friends. It's Dionne Warwick, obviously. I say that obviously because everybody knows who Dionne Warwick is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Recently, uh, CNN docu on her. Oh, yeah? Way, too. I saw that, like, uh, who is it? Is it uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson now has, like, a talk show? Yes. And Dionne Warwick was a guest? I think they're trying to turn Jennifer Hudson into the next Ellen. Probably. Anyway, needed something to fill the time anyway. From East Orange, New Jersey, here's the last voice. Dion Warwick, 74th on Billboard Hot 100's Greatest Artists of All Time, 40 studio albums, 29 top 40 hits, and it's their second of two number ones. All right, so the friends are Dion Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Elton John, and Gladys Knight. Dion and Friends used to be just Dion Warwick. She recorded a string of uh, songs with Burt Backrat mm-hmm. and Hal David as the writers in the 60s, and then wrote a uh, and performed the theme song to a short-lived TV show called Finder of Lost Loves. And then uh, Bear Sager, who helped write this song, came and said, you know what, you should record this song. It'd be a big hit for you. She's like, all right, so she heard it. Because this hurt, this was not the original. Get to those details here in just a moment. But she's like, you know what? I think this would be a better song if it was a duet with Stevie Wonder. And they're like, you know, while you're at it, why don't you get a couple more folks and do it for charity? There's a couple more folks were Elton John and Gladys Knight. Now, where this song was originally written was back in 1982. It was written for a movie called Night Shift. Never seen it. But it was originally recorded by Rod Stewart, and it was played over the closing credits. For charity, Dion and Friends recorded this song as a single to raise money for the American Foundation for AIDS Research. Because back then, AIDS was probably the most misunderstood thing, especially when it comes to diseases. That was back in 1985. Mm -hmm. Really misunderstood. And this recording helped draw attention to the cause and educated people about the disease. Proceeds raised over $500,000 for that particular charity. But then, five years later, March 17th of 1990, there was an AIDS benefit titled, titled, That's What Friends Are For. 
It was a 15th anniversary concert at Radio City Music Hall in New York City for Arista Records. Those that were there to, to either speak or perform, Air Supply, Burt Bacharach, Chevy Chase, Clive Davis, Taylor Dane, Michael Douglas, Whoopi Goldberg, Melanie Griffith, Hall & Oates, Whitney Houston, Alan Jackson, Kenny G, Barry Manilow, Millie Vanilli, Carly Simon, Patti Smith, and of course, Diane Warwick. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> Millie Vanilli? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you don't know this, I'll fill you in right now. Whitney Houston and Diane Warwick, cousins. Yes. They ended up performing together at the end of the show. That's what friends are for. And it raised over two and a half million dollars for various AIDS organizations. Dion and Friends won a Grammy Awards for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal and Song of the Year. Surprisingly, this blew me away. This was Elton John's first Grammy. He did not win one prior. After all the heavyweight bangers he had in the 70s and early 80s. It was the yeah that put him over. The yeah? The yeah. <laughs> that may be. <laughs> Everybody likes a good yeah. Oh, I mean, music oh, in the 90s was built on just going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I cannot stand yeah. this song. You don't like it? I absolutely hate this song. <laughs> well, Billboard named this song the 75th greatest song of all time, Trevion. You would have hated 1986, brother. It depends. Stevie Wonder is the best thing about this song to me. Um, excuse me? Elton John is the best part. Yeah. No, honestly, I might actually have to give it to uh, Stevie Wonder. He's definitely belting. And then shout out to Gladys Knight. I saw her in Salina. She was great. How long ago was that? Like three years ago or something. Is she still alive? Yes. <laughs> I went with my dad at the Stifle Theater. Great theater. and Stifle. Travion. Come on. Hey, um, oh, she's only 78. Okay, I thought she was older. But yeah, she's still alive. I'd love to see her live. That'd be amazing. Music related. Just saw who the uh, Oh, Anthem's... God, don't tell Oh, no. I thought you were about to tell me somebody no, died again. No, 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 no. You've done that twice this month. Anthem singer. Yeah, I did see this. Janerald yeah. Wilson handling the anthem on Sunday for the AFC Championship Oh, I game. thought you were going to talk. I thought you meant, you were going to say the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Stapleton's going to be outstanding. Chris Stapleton, yeah. That is going to be tremendous. But uh, for those who know Janerald, the... Yes. Marine slash Navy gentleman, and will be performing it out of St. Louis, based in St. Louis, but he'll be at Arrowhead. Shout to get, out to him. To get cut off by the fans shouting, Chiefs! God. I don't know about you, but I can't stand it. Hate it. Have hated it from the first day I ever heard it. And it's not because I'm not a Chiefs fan. No, it's because it's the anthem. Well, it's incredibly disrespectful. Yeah. That, in my opinion, it is. Because you're 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 covering up the most important lyric in the song, in my opinion, "Brave." Yes, home of the brave. Yes, with Chiefs. And now you're like, you know, I hate to be the Debbie Downer on that one. I'm not the I'm not trying to be you know the get off my lawn guy, but I remember John Kurtz and I we had a long talk about it. Uh, anyway, 
Shout to the pips. Woo woo. <laughs> I gotta Bar- see his glass not on tour. Barkley as a pip was uh, actually rather good in the uh, commercials a couple oh, years ago. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, gotta look at because I think everybody in this song is still live, but I've only seen Elton. I've seen three out of the four. Who have you not seen? Dion. Hmm. Dang, for all of the concerts I've been to, I'm drawing a big fat zero on this list. Oh, wow. I've also seen, like, I guess Diana Ross is still getting out there and performing. Obviously solo. It's not like she's with the Supremes or anything, but I've also heard she's kind of a jerk. Let's see. uh, Gladys Knight will be performing in, let's see here. February 14th is the next show in Nashville. Nice. Not coming anywhere close. I just got a ticket for Madonna in Tulsa. Really? Yes, because that show is, that tour is selling out all over the place. Of that's course. like the closest That's one. the closest one? Mm-hmm. Is it in the? Is it at the BOK or whatever it is, the Bach Arena? Is she bringing a cane? <laughs> I don't know. We'll 60 see. what now is Madonna? I mean, honestly. Hey. 65 this year, I believe. She's 64. Her birthday is right after mine, August 16th, and I think she's still a babe, so... I won't necessarily argue it. I'm just pointing out that she's eligible for the senior discount pretty well anywhere. <laughs> she doesn't want you to think that, though, Troy. Right? All right, Travion, you call us. Should we take a break or should we jump right into some Ask Us Anything? Up to you. I'm terrible at making decisions in my own life. So, <laughs> what are you, are you? Is there something you're contemplating right now? Something you need to decide you haven't decided? We could take it right now to uh, ask us anything. Just ask us to fill, to make a decision on your issue. I have no idea. Again, I don't know how to even make decisions on what to say. All right, let's go ahead and you get us out where we need to get out. All right, let's go ahead and just jump right in. I'm feeling good right now. I feel like we're on a roll. Shout out to Madonna. Birthday on August 16th. 64. Both her and Michael were born in the same month in the same year, which is kind of crazy because... The yep. king and queen of pop. Regardless. Go ahead. Um, What is one of your favorite comfort foods? Oh, boy. Where do I start? I mean, I, the first that jumps into my mind is potato chips. I can no joke eat a bag in a day. Now, it's not like I do it very often. I have. I haven't done it this year. I've definitely done it last year. Because I get on this kick, like, I just want sandwiches. I love sandwiches. But I don't want a sandwich without chips. It doesn't feel right. It's like eating a burger without fries. It just doesn't feel right. Yes. Or with some sort of side. What kind of sandwich? Oh, boy. Listen, I I can dance with a lot of sandwiches. I hate bologna. Can't do it. So gross. Did you never have, like, fried bologna sandwiches as a kid? No. Yes. Never? No. Man, I, I remember having them once in a while. I could do a, I could do a bologna once in a while. Turkey, roast beef, ham, whatever. Chicken. Sliced chicken. I'll do make a sandwich out of that. Oh, yeah. What is your go-to Subway order? Um, Mine's the chicken bacon ranch melt. Yeah. Uh, so I will only go to Subway usually if I get the coupons in the mail for $5.99 footlongs or $6.99 or whatever it is. And I always, I usually typically go chicken bacon ranch. Turkey and bacon, Swiss, as the cheese. 
Nice. You know, I don't mind the meat. As a ball. Yeah, as a base, as a basic, uh, but also would do chicken breast with white American on it. I just think these days, like, sub sandwiches, I think they're just insanely priced now. It, yes, they are. It is horrible. Jimmy John's is, like, the most expensive place you can go to for some reason. Are they? Never been the biggest Jimmy John's person. The last time I went there, it was like 20 bucks for just a sandwich. And I was like, nope, I'm good. Good Lord. I don't think, I don't think sandwiches are that expensive to make. <laughs> Quite the upcharge. I mean, that's their big one, you know, but still it was like, wow. Was it a foot long? Uh-huh. I think it's a little bit longer than a foot long. I think it's like. Oh, I mean, they've got to pay Brad Garrett for the ads. <laughs> I miss, I miss Good Sense by Walmart. Miss it a lot. Used to go all the time. Love Good Sense. Also, Remember Quiznos. Quiznos, yeah. Quiznos is yeah. underrated. The Quiznos has the best um, honey mustard I've ever had. Really? Best honey mustard. It's like, you know, like with ranch. Like people are like, Hidden Valley Ranch is the best. Restaurant Ranch is the best. And it's it's a ranch you can't get anywhere but restaurants. I feel like. Ranch at restaurants are watered down ranch because that's why they're so liquid. Oh, I think it's unless you're at a wings place, right? Yeah, any restaurant like Wingstop or you just go to a sit down restaurant or whatever and get the ranch with some wings, like it's the best. And also, I also I I think barbecue sauce and ranch is a fantastic mix. Fantastic mix. It it is a good blend. I agree. All right, go ahead. What you got next? When people come to you for help, what they, what they, oh my goodness, what do they usually want help with? Uh, making you? decisions. Oh. So, Travion, <laughs> again, I'm here to help. My biggest problems is just, you know, school and work. and. Let's talk it out. Is school, is, is school too stressful right now? It's just everything. My life's a constant rolling I'm not here to talk about my problems. Well, you know, this is a great place to air out your your problems, your grievances, or whatever's going on on live radio for the world to hear. I'm just complaining about a fortunate situation. So, well, you're a Howard Stern fan, right? I am, and I used to work for Howard Stern. A lot of that show is made up of people talking about their problems, and they air it out sometimes, and. And they all get made fun of for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I promise only to make fun of you a little bit if it's if if you know it's not too harsh. I feel. And I feel like this school stuff is something we can figure out. Do we need we, do we need to cut some hours? Do we need to cut a class? Are you struggling anywhere? No, it's 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 just with the, school starting, everything's back on the roll of how it was. Uh, the last three semester. the three jobs is yeah. taking its toll. It's been taking its toll for the last year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Have you thought about quitting one of the jobs? Not necessarily, no. Because, okay, you're working at a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Okay, where else? A car, car wash. wash. A car here. wash. Well, I, the car wash is part of the convenience store, right? Yeah, technically. But a different location? Yeah, a different location. And then where else did you say? Here. And here. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, duh. Um, Down at the car wash. I don't know. We might have to cut back a little bit. One day. Because you're like full-time, aren't you? Like, mm-hmm. with that convenience store job? Yeah. You're a full-time student, full-time, and a part-time job? Yeah, I think anybody would realize this might be too much. You overachiever. <laughs> and how many how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Um, In the early halves of the week, 
Like early. <laughs> Let's break it down by day. Uh, it's like three to four, and then like today I got like a good six hours, which is nice. What will Michael Jackson do in your situation? Go write. Go write songs. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Make a hit. <laughs> yeah. Just be talented from the time you're out of the womb. <laughs> you need a you need a vacation. Take a take a paid week off. Spring break can't come soon enough. <laughs> Literally, I'm me and my dad are gonna go to L.A. for spring break, so that's gonna be nice. What's in L.A.? Just to like, just look to go at stuff, yeah, and hang out. I'm not gonna lie, there's not a whole lot to look at. Like the beach is amazing. Like Venice Beach is great. We're gonna stay at Venice Beach. Yeah. Uh, so also, you know, the try to go. How long are you gonna be there? A whole week. Uh, go to the Whiskey A Go Go on Monday. They have a really good '80s cover band. Oh yeah, I've already. I think we already made like reservations there for. They're called um, Fast Time. Fast. Or yes, mm-hmm. I, I went and saw them when I was with baseball yeah, last year. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I'm glad you're you're gonna go. That's you're you're gonna love it. They're really good. I'm looking forward. And of to course, it. the Whiskey A Go Go is a very historic venue here in America. Sunset Strip, of course. Um, and you're, you're very close to the Viper Room. Very close to the Viper Room. So if it's open... I think they're... Aren't they tearing it down or something? I have no idea. I have no idea, but that'd make me sad because I'd like to go inside one time. Because I've heard it's haunted. Ooh. River Phoenix. Hmm. Gonna possess you. All right. We're out. We're only on from four to five tomorrow, guys. For Travion, Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.